Hi, everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Now, here's your host, Dr. Dave Gurchak. Hi, everyone. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Tracy Hartzler to our show. Dr. Hartzler is the president of Central New Mexico Community College in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hi, Tracy. I'm happy to have you on our podcast today. Well, uh, David, if I may call you Dave, it's great to great to be with you and spend some time with you. And uh, just to be just to be really safe. Uh, while as an attorney, I, we all take ourselves and I take myself seriously. I'm not a doctor, so I'm going to be very careful and I'm very sensitive uh, to that in higher ed. So um. <laughs> I, I get that. Absolutely. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, Central New Mexico Community College and why students select your institution? Oh, sure. I, well, I'm so excited to be uh, the sixth president of Central New Mexico Community College. We're the, the state's largest undergraduate institution. Uh, we serve anywhere from 20 to 30,000 uh, students, both in our credit and our non-credit side of the, of the uh, enterprise. Um, and we're located in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So again, Albuquerque has about I'm sorry, New Mexico has about 2 million people and about a million of them live in the center, central part of the state. So um, we have a tremendous range of students and people who come to CNM and they come to CNM largely because we're, uh, while we're really large, people think of us as very small. We have small classes. Uh, we have all the, the strengths and benefits of a two-year institution. Uh, people, uh, many individuals, they're nurses, they're teachers, uh, they're law enforcement officers, they're public safety professionals, um, uh, their, their children uh, came to CNM before they went on to maybe one of our four-year colleges or universities here in the state. So people know us and they find that we're small and we're responsive and we're known to be solutions oriented. So um, as you know, we're open access and so individuals can uh, walk into, uh, we have a number of legislators who are our graduates. So you can tell they're just um, they take great pride in the fact that they know people who have come to our institution and themselves have come to our institution um, at some point and um, really find us like, like we're family. So uh, we're very well, we're a good value and we're also known to be, um, I'd say good partners in, in, our, in our community. So uh, wh where else would they go but us? So <laughs> great, great answer. You know, I always hate to ask a president this about picking out just a few of their programs they want to brag about. But since we got some airtime, is there anything you want to talk that's unique about your uh, any unique programs there or anything like that? Sure. Well, we have a number, you know, we have any we have about 200 uh, academic and, and workforce training programs. And uh, we're really proud of our um, our nursing program. We're one of the largest in the country that lead to our four year degree with our four year partners here in the state. Um, so we're so proud of our healthcare workforce. We're also, uh, really proud of our educators. We have a number of education programs We're the largest, um, alternative licensure teacher licensure program here in the state. So a number of our teachers, our students are out teaching. Um, and you know, we're very focused on making sure that our, our faculty, our students who go out and teach in K-12, um, have the skills that they need and are, and are really working in some pretty interesting and, uh, challenging places. And so pleased that we can build on the skill sets they use and the certificates they need, whether it's in special education or bilingual education. So I'm excited about how our education programs are growing. 
Uh, and then of course we have a number in our workforce training programs. Uh, very excited about our, our coding boot camps that really over the last, I think five or more years uh, have really taken off. Uh, we have incredible local companies who, including uh, we have small startups that are now pretty medium sized. And then we have others like Sandia National Labs here in the state. Uh, and so they look to us and they look to our students who, you know, in 12 weeks of intense work uh, can come out, can double their income, uh, can participate in an industry that they often had no idea existed before they signed up to learn about the internet of things or um, uh, server support. And so when they start encoding, and so when they start to work in those areas, they come back to us for more training. Our local companies hire them pretty quickly. Uh, and so excited about how that program has grown over time. And actually now we license that curriculum uh, and, we'll, and we'll provide some technical assistance and faculty development to other institutions. So we have a two-year partner in the Southern part of the state. We have a two-year partner in uh, Texas at a college that has leased that or has you know, purchased that programming and has just done great work. So I think those are some of the exciting programs that we have. And then um, if I may brag some more because it's just, it's exciting for us. Uh, we participate in, in a number of joint efforts across not only the state, but the country uh, with other partner colleges. And one is the Collaborative for Higher Education Shared Services here in New Mexico. There are five of us college, two-year colleges and one four-year college that's working together to really improve how we serve our students and our community uh, by looking at all of our business practices and our um, and certainly a number of our academic processes and really in student support services and trying to, um, well, we're undertaking, we're purchasing a new enterprise resource planning system uh, to replace a legacy system and a new student information system. So the five of us are coming together to find, um, to better help our students and to frankly provide some services uh, that each of us can rely on um, in a tight labor market. Uh, so and really trying to grow uh, grow our work together. And that's a pretty exciting partnership. And then we have some others that are also pretty interesting as well. So, so, so you're talking about the chest partnership, correct? Chest partnership. Yep. When did, when did that start? Well, it started um, as an idea, probably a decade ago, <laughs> uh, when a small, a smaller institution uh, wanted help uh, with some of their practices and wanted our CNM to help them. And we realized, wouldn't it be great if we were all on one system and not versions of the different systems we use? And wouldn't it be great to be able to help each other in times where um, additional support was needed? And that over time has evolved into um, ways that a couple of us colleges had looked together. We wanted to look at, you know, maybe went into um, buying and offering uh, benefits together, something like that. But we really realized was uh, as our legacy data systems, you know, we all kept buying bolt-on programs, and as you, as you, as we all know in higher education, there's so many um, data app, data analytics programs, so many uh, academic planning schedules and, and programming, and so when you start looking at all those bolt-ons, uh, we all said, can't we get together and figure out a way to really leverage the big scale of CNM with 2000 plus employees and so many students, um, can't we leverage that scale and uh, come together and figure out how to work uh, and have shared services around finance, human capital or pay, 
human resources and payroll, for example. Uh, and so we're, we're looking to do that now. And uh, like I said, we have a range of institutions. The smallest has a couple of hundred uh, employees and a couple of hundred students. And then we're on the other end. Yeah. So the impetus came out of a need, a need for redundancy and really important processes, whether it's payroll, everybody wants to get payroll right uh, and be consistent and accurate um, to data systems and purchasing. And so, so many practices. So, uh, but really focused on student, student support when we get down to it, wouldn't it be great to have not just a common application, but one student record that uh, that student could go online, have a very similar experience, pick courses from different colleges to build their schedule so they can accomplish their goals in really quick and easy ways that their financial aid could follow them no matter where they enrolled. So we really have high hopes for our, our system uh, and our partner and our partner vendors is Workday as our vendor uh, and Campus Works as a consultant who's working with us to really mesh our five institutions and cultures together to be able to really make substantial changes and really transform how we work and think about uh, this network of, you know, we have about 150 employees across all of our colleges who are working on this project uh, at any given time. And so um, it's amazing the relationships we've built across our institutions, again, across the entire state uh, to really see how we can, um, I think, provide greater service and backup for each other. We'll go live in January, 2023. So we're right in the middle of it, the first part of it now. So what a what a great uh, student centered approach yeah. on that. Yep. Um, so, what's new at the college? Well, I would say outside of um, chess, and uh, you know, I think uh, and some of our other partnerships, we are, I think, like many, are coming out of this pandemic uh, in a way that is incredibly uh, challenging, uh, insightful, um, confusing. Uh, there's still a lot we don't know. Um, so what's new is that we are coming back. Uh, New Mexico has had a, had a strong, I would say, record of safety. Uh, so, I mean, we have vaccine mandates. We've had, you know, mask wearing. We had social distancing. We were really, I'd say, pretty tightly controlled for quite a while. And so we were all trying to figure out how to best provide programming, uh, both the credit and the non-credit side of the house, but provide quality programming uh, making some shifts, you know, simulations and how do you supplement hands-on instruction, particularly in our trades, um, but really tried to stay open as best we could. Uh, but it, I think like many institutions, a lot of our students uh, really now have adapted to or prefer online instruction or remote instruction, the convenience of that. Um, but I would say not everybody is achieving at the same levels they did when they were either in a face-to-face -face course or even some of our other hybrid courses. And you know, I just have to say that the last couple of years, it's been a great time to be a new president <laughs> because no one, no one can come to you with a playbook to say, here's what we did in a recession with social unrest and a pandemic. So, you know, if you stick to your values, which I'm fortunate that our governing board, our faculty, our staff, our students, we all stuck to our values and said, and made the best decisions we could. That's helping us as we come out of this and try to figure out um, how do we better meet our student needs? You know, we've, we've now see how they are coming to us seeking instruction and training. Well, we have to change how we're teaching. Um, our faculty are doing incredible work in bringing up their um, revising and really evaluating their, uh, their remote learning or their hybrid learning options uh, and working with more curriculum designers and 
So it's been really interesting to see the creativity, the compassion that our faculty and all of our student support and academic support service uh, employees have uh, for our students. So I'd say that's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, I think we're all going down the checklist. What do we keep from the pandemic? We're gonna keep a lot of our virtual services. We're probably gonna extend our hours of services uh, because we know people can work remotely. Uh, they can help students, whether they're sitting in a computer lab or in their own home, uh, if they have the right technology to do so. Um, but we also know that, uh, you know, we need to make some changes here on campus. And so we're looking at how we use space and. How do we partner? We know we can't be, we can't be um, everyone's answer to everything, but boy, we have a lot of great partnerships. So the pandemic, again, has taught us how to work well with others uh, in a time of need. And so I think we're continuing a lot of those relationships, uh, certainly with our employers, but also with our K-12 partners and school districts and certainly our four-year partners as well. So I, I'd say what's exciting is that we're, we're coming out of this pandemic space and I think really imagining the culture we want, whether it's a hybrid workplace, but also how do we better help our students who are um, making different choices now? Yeah. And so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, exciting stuff in New Mexico, that's for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Well, can you talk a little bit about yourself and how uh, you got to become the president out at uh, CNN? Sure, well, it, uh, it was not a linear path. <laughs> um, I've been very fortunate to work um, in federal service, uh, in public service for more than 25 years. So I've worked at the federal, the federal level, uh, both in a, uh, as a caseworker, uh, but also as a counsel to a, as the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs, U.S. Senate Committee on Indian Affairs. Uh, so I had a range there. I've worked uh, with local governments. I worked with tribal governments. I worked with state government in different capacities, both the executive branch and the legislative branch, uh, and been and worked in, um, in an industry around secondary education for about 10 years. And again, worked with uh, Native American tribes uh, for about five to 10 years as well. Uh, part of that work though, led me to um, come to New Mexico. I'm originally from the Midwest. I spent about 20 years in DC. I've now been in New Mexico a little over 10 and um, had the great opportunity to do, to carry some of my federal work, uh, working with tribes on natural resources issues. Uh, but do that here in New Mexico, uh, where I'm barred as an attorney, um, and then it had the opportunity to go work for the legislature and do something that I really wanted to do ever since I was back in law school working for uh, a professor and where I worked at a community college uh, in a general counsel's office many years, now 15 or so years ago. Uh, but I had the opportunity to work in higher education and serve as the state's um, higher education appropriation staffer. So I got to meet, you know, 28 of the most interesting uh, presidents and chancellors, uh, including uh, presidents and chancellors of tribally controlled colleges and universities here in the state. Uh, I get to visit their campuses and just learn so much about the great work that so many institutions uh, and institutional leaders are doing in their community and how many in the types of students they're serving. So I had the great benefit of leaving the legislature and coming to Central New Mexico Community College through the budget office. Uh, and then Continue to work through finance and operations, uh, and became president about two years two years ago. Yeah, so January, I, January twenty twenty is that right? That's correct. Yep. <laughs> yep. It so was, it was the hardest tremendous. time you could think becoming a, a president. You decided I'll I'll pick that job during the right before the pandemic hits. Yeah, I mean, who knew? I mean, I anticipated there'd be a recession somewhere. I just didn't know it all 
uh, that things would happen all at once. But yeah. like I said, I work with an, uh, so I, CNM is governed by seven elected board members. Uh, and so I work for an incredible governing board who really believe in public service. They believe in the mission of our college and they believe that um, CNM has a role in the state because of our size uh, and that we should be able to help others. And so I get to work not only for an incredible institution, but for a really solid governing board and, um, and their, their priorities really align with my values and my background and my priorities. So that means we get to do so much for students. You know, when you, when you have that kind of alignment, it's pretty fortunate. So has your leadership style changed at all since becoming president? Um, it has, um, as a, um, as a, as a lawyer, I am trained to ask questions, uh, and I'm just naturally curious. And so as a president, um, when you start asking questions, you have to be really, um, open (laughs) because people can get pretty threatened and really, I just learned by asking questions. So for me, I would say my leadership changed in that I wasn't able to engage in the community, even though I'm of the community. I've been at the college for, uh, had been at the college for five to six years before stepping into this role. Um, I, I didn't have the ability to get to know people uh, in a different way as a president uh, than the people who had known me as a, a finance and operations expert. And frankly, who often had to say no <laughs> to people uh, in, in that role, uh, depending on where you were in the, uh, after the great recession and what enrollment trends look like and you know whatever the state government was doing at the time. So I was always in a pretty challenging spot. So my leadership has changed in that I still ask questions, uh, but it's been very interesting to do that over Zoom, over WebEx. Um, you know, how do you build those relationships uh, the way you'd like? Um, and then I'd also have to say that Again, I've always been driven by my values uh, and largely largely focused on public service, on social justice. And so I don't think there's a question that when you go through the last two plus years that we've experienced, that that comes into sharp relief, that my values are consistent with the college's values uh, and that that was so important to me because I had to make a lot of tough decisions uh, that never made everybody happy. but I will tell you, there's a lot of grace that was given. I certainly learned a lot. Um, I'm communicating in ways I never thought I would be communicating or whether it's podcast or more on video and recorded messages and um, a a monthly sort of open-ended one hour question period. So there are a number of ways that I communicate differently now than I would have before Um, we had this experience. Um, So that's surprising to me. So, but no, I, I tend, and I would also say we're, it's much I'm much more inclusive as a leader. And I will tell you that can get messy. Uh, When you bring people to the table who aren't always used to being at the table, um, how do we communicate? How do we build relationship to be able to make decisions and and have really productive conversation? And that, as you can imagine, is pretty sensitive depending on the topics and uh, whether it's politics or finances or what programs to offer and expand. So I think that's been challenging is how do you, how does one lead in a very inclusive way when we're remote and you don't have that social glue maybe that you might've had before the pandemic or you didn't have a chance to develop that. So I've learned a great deal. I've certainly made mistakes, but I've learned a lot too. So 
um, I think my sense of humility uh, has served me well in this space. So I don't think that has changed. I think it's, I've realized how important it is. <laughs> so that's been helpful. Well, what's been, what's been uh, some of the proudest moments you've had so far at the college? Wow. I think, um, honestly, I think being open since the pandemic and not closing is phenomenal. Uh, we don't, we don't have spring breaks. We don't have breaks here, <laughs> which can be pretty challenging. So as you can imagine, when you, when we all had to make decisions to really expand our remote uh, learning experiences and classroom uh, courses, that was a tremendous challenge. And so to be able to help, and if many of your listeners are faculty members, uh, at the same time, we had, I mean, this was well-planned well before the pandemic, but we were changing our learning management system <laughs> in January of 2020. And so, um, and of course this had been planned for years and training, but so really the, the ha, ha, being able to find resources to help faculty, it could have been getting their camera and speaker system. It could be helping them design their classes differently or making sure there were enough resources to expand the hours of um, self-help or ser the service desk around, you know, faculty using technology in their classroom or at home. I mean, the ways of being able to find resources to help both our faculty and staff meet, frankly, what's most important is our student needs. That was by far one of the most, I think, um, important learning experiences and something I'm most proud of. And then again, I would say the relationships that we're making with this collaborative for higher education shared services is something that um, I think can be transformative for not just CNM, but all the institutions who are participating across the state. I think that's, um, we're certainly gonna have our hiccups. We do, <laughs> we have them now, but I think that's the most important. That will be one of the most important uh, experiences I'll have as a president. We, do, we don't get those op opportunities often. And the chance for me to work with, again, four other incredible presidents, and I think a few more institutions will join, and to be able to see our teams come together and solve problems together uh, remotely, again, very unusual uh, that we're, of how this is, has taken off, but I'm incredibly proud of the work, the hard work um, that people are undertaking, and they're seeing benefit from it, which is really important. Um, and, and, it's, and change is hard, and boy, we've had a lot of change. So the fact that they're undertaking a pretty incredible um, effort, all because they know it's going to help their, their students and their colleagues across the state, that's really inspiring to me. So I'm, I, those are some of the things I'm most proud of probably. Good. Um, I see that you helped found and launched uh, Unmuddle, which is a mm -hmm. uh, uh, skills to job marketplace. Yeah. Can you explain what that is and how that works. Sure. Well, I had the benefit uh, of in fall of 2019 <laughs> of meeting a, a, a phenomenal leader, Parminder Jassel, who leads um, Unmuddle. She's the CEO, founding CEO. And it was really found around this idea that you have adult learners and, and we all know how that the learning, the learning um, pattern has changed. People aren't going to school for two years or four years and then getting out and working and then going back to maybe get a professional degree and then you know, leaving the workforce and then coming back into the workforce. People are really staying in the workforce and getting skills and upskills and training as they need it, just in time. So when you start looking at the, at the wave of people who are staying in the workplace, 
who are looking to upskill and get that just-in-time training, um, how can we, and, and we have public two-year institutions who are all across the country who are trying to help meet the needs of these adult, often adult learners who are still gonna continue to work. Um, and how do we pair them up with employers? So you have these national movements around competencies and skills. You have employers um, who are trying to figure out the best way to uh, address their workforce needs and build their workforce. And they're looking for all sorts of partners to help uh, provide training and that they want, that they want to design and deliver. They're also providing their own training. Uh, and we're looking at community colleges at a time when many of our enrollments were declining before the pandemic, and some still are. And so Unmuddle brings all of us together uh, in a way that allows really entrepreneurial colleges to come up with programs that meet employer needs that, um, and that they're able to, that it, it really is a connecting place for students to recognize pretty quickly, here's a class, here's what I will learn from this, this class, here's the employer who values what I'm learning, and here's what that average wage is for that employer if I complete this class. So when you really look at the lines of um, connection, uh, that's why CNM joined on onto Unmuddle back in 2019. And as we've seen it grow, not only in our uh, partner colleges, the founding colleges, we have more college partners. We certainly have more national partners. Um, very excited that we have a number of investors who have seen the, uh, that after they've looked at our prototype and our, our, our beta testing for the last one to two years, they've said this is a great way in a really accessible way for individuals, for colleges to work together to provide quality programming uh, to students who are looking for training and to employers who are looking for that immediate connection. So it's been a, um, a just an incredible opportunity, to, again, to work with someone like Parminder and Social Tech um, who started this, who started Unmuddle as a business, but then really work with my partner colleges and their leadership and their, their workforce training teams who are just phenomenal. Um, in terms of their creativity and how they're thinking differently about how do we use technology to not only improve what colleges do to better serve students, uh, but to, boy, better meet employer needs who are just, again, working really hard to try to build their workforce. So yeah, it's a pretty broad-based and exciting opportunity for us. Yeah. Do, do you have any advice for new community college presidents? Um, well, I mean, as I mentioned, I mean, uh, it's great not to have a playbook when you come in. <laughs> I mean, and again, if you stick to your value, if you stick to your institutional values, I don't, I, it's hard to go wrong. You put students first and you have institutional values. So you carry that forward. Um, but what I have found most um, rewarding and surprising uh, in this, in my quick experience as a new president has been the ability for me to connect with other presidents who are at different points in their career. I'm very fortunate that I'm, I'm friends with my predecessor. I, I knew her when I was a legislator. I've known her for many years. Uh, we still have dinner together. Uh, but she and I are both very clear that um, the river uh, is not the same as when she was, you know, when she stepped in the river and when I stepped in are very different. And when I leave, it will be a different river, right? So we know that our contexts are changing. Um, and so I value my relationship with her, but I also have been, uh, fortunate to participate in Aspen uh, New Presidents Fellowship Program. So again, meeting 25 new presidents like me uh, <laughs> or similar to me from all across the country, including uh, our tribal community colleges. That's been a really great experience being paired with, I'd say, mentor or veteran 
presidents um, who have who have had long tenures and have been successful and failed at things. So we're learning from them. Um, I'm also part of a group called the Global Community College Leadership Network, which is uh, a membership organization of presidents from large urban colleges, community colleges. So that's been also great because I think when you're all big, it's just helpful that when you're with your peers, it's a it's a great um, you just have different conversations and you can have those conversations differently than I have with anybody in my own state. Uh, because I'm, I bet like other states, we're a little bit competitive <laughs> against each other. We compete for resources. We, as much as we value collaboration, there are times where we can't. And so uh, to be able to have peers uh, where, where they will help uh, validate my questions, uh, encourage me to keep going or, or encourage me to take another path. I have found that really um, incredibly beneficial. And I wouldn't be as successful in thinking about what the role of president should, could be or the influence I can have. What's my role as a convener? They've really helped me think about my role um, bigger uh, than my first two years of being in a pandemic solving problems, you know, one term at a time. While still having an eye on the long, you know, so the long game, they're helping me really see um, just really broaden my view of what that could look like. And so that's been incredibly helpful. So if I'm a new president, I would say find some peers and great if they're in your state, but I bet going outside your state is probably pretty helpful. And as you know, and like most other uh, places, your professional organizations can be very helpful. Um, and it's just incredible to see how exciting and interesting uh, other communities are. And so and we're all shameless about what we can try to copy and steal right? Uh, and, yeah. and apply, you know, apply with a twist, right? Apply right. with the CNM gloss, if you will. Right. Right. Um, but it, that's been very, uh, you know, I don't have to have the answers. I don't have to have all the answers. Right. I, but if I can access and help other people who are interested in serving students like the ones we serve, that's pretty phenomenal. So, yeah, I've been pretty lucky to interview a handful of Aspen fellows. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell you, it's just amazing uh, what you learn in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, the access is impressive. Um, I, I think again, we're, and we're all motivated and by earnest, the hard questions, how do we help our students? How do we help the most vulnerable students? How do we help the people we're not reaching? Because we know we're not reaching everybody who needs, who could benefit from our community college experience. Um, that it's been just been phenomenal. And I, I was hoping it would be that experience. And I will say it's been challenging because we're, we've been remote. So the past two months, I've been able to actually meet people in person, how novel, uh, and that does make a difference. And you, you sort of forget how important that is. So it's been great to be able to, making, to, be able to make those connections. Well, what do you think are gonna be the major challenges and opportunities for community colleges sure. over the next maybe five or 10 years? Well, I think, um, I think when I look at our students, how do I help students? Um, how can I communicate to students the value and the return on investment of their education? Uh, and whether that's in credit or non-credit and, and, the, and the flow between credit and non-credit programs, I think, um, I think that's really important. I think that, and that's really hard. That's a really hard uh, sell in some ways because students can access I mean, right now our minimum wage here is very high and, and the wages to enter. So there isn't the urgency 
to come back to school when their wages are pretty high right now. They won't always be that high, but so how do we continue to be available? I would say the challenge also is how do we reach those adult learner students? You know, we all, it's easy to focus on a high school population and our area that's pretty, it's a flat population. Um, other parts of the country, it's very different. But again, for us to be successful, it's really how to reach those adult students and help them when they need help, how they need it, how they prefer to get their education and training. And I think that requires institutions to be very um, agile. We're not always, uh, that's hard. <laughs> We're not always great at doing that for a lot of reasons. Um, and then I think one of the most important lessons and I'd say challenges moving forward is what are the partnerships you wanna form to be successful? Uh, again, I, I'm not the answer for every problem. I am often part of an answer with others to solve a problem. And so how do we um, better connect with our community benefit organizations to, um, I'd say better align services, whether it's childcare, food insecurity, you know, how to address food insecurity, housing, you know, those have just come up in the forefront so much during the pandemic. We know that's not going away. Um, and these were all issues that we've all been dealing with, but they've become more acute, more visible, uh, more pronounced, at least in our area. And so again, I have to partner with others to best address some of those critical needs. Um, and so, and again, that lies in partnership. Uh, so I think our survival depends on partnership, whether it's, and I'll go back to chess with the other institutions about how can we um, each offer stellar keynote programs, but maybe we don't have to offer the same program because, or we offer them at different times so that we give students the most choice and we make it really easy for them to engage and, and seek their training and education. Uh, or like I said, with Unmuddle, uh, how do I help develop a program that our partner in uh, SUNY Broom in New York can take and run with their community um, and they don't have to develop the program, uh, but they can help someone enroll in what we do and they can teach it. So there are just other, there are really interesting ways for us to work together to meet a need that's so much bigger than what any one college can solve. So I think that's what's probably the most challenging. Um, but uh, boy, again, has the most, most potential, the greatest potential for opportunities for growth, for meeting a broader audience, for meeting an audience that we may not meet very well right now. So I think, you know, and again, I think our challenges are just only present some pretty tremendous opportunities for us to really um, better serve our communities. So. So what do you think the role will be for the physical campus for community colleges in the future? You know, I mean, I think, well, uh, we're all we're all dealing with this. Um, CNM has uh, nine sites and locations where we offer credit and our non-credit training. So we have a number of sites. Um, may I have a parking problem, a parking lot problem soon, <laughs> like I did before the pandemic. Um, so I think a biggest challenge for our facilities is that uh, one, I don't think they're going away. I mean, our, we have trades facilities, for example, they're some of our oldest on campus. We are, double down, we are doubling down on our career trades facilities. And we're, we're not just building, we're not just uh, renovating and putting in the same old shop that we just had with better equipment. I mean, we're really changing how our career technical trades and programs are working with simulations as, as everybody is. So I think our facilities will be called on to be more flexible. Um, we still need them. 
uh, again, those adult students, they appreciate the convenience of a remote or a hybrid experience, but they still do value connection. Um, and they often do want to talk to a physical person, a live person. And they do want to take, if they're going to take three classes, they still want one class face-to-face. I mean, that's what we're finding in our data. They may want the others because they want others to have more flexibility and take it remotely. So again, I think it's right-sizing, um, but we're not building the same square footage to uh, house our, um, our a lot of our student services facility uh, staff, our academic and student supports, because we know about 25% of our folks are probably still going to work at home some given time of the week or during the year. So I think we're all going to be looking at the use of space, how to renovate it so that we can use it more effectively for collaborative use. Um, you, I don't think anybody's building their classrooms the same way they would have two years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> we certainly aren't. Um, and and I think, again, when I go back to partnerships, who else do I want to have on my campus? Uh, you know, I would like to have more of our social service agencies on my campus. Well, if I don't have offices for everybody, uh, because some people are working from home, that's freed up space that allows people to come back to, I would say, our main campus and provide social services, because now I have, I have workspace for them. So I think there's some opportunities, again, to partner where, um, where without increasing the public commitment to facilities, to be able to use what we have better um, and to bring our partners on campus. And again, our partners, I've a number, we have a number of people who support our college, just like I'm sure many of those listening. And, but what's interesting is they don't often step onto our campus, <laughs> but once they do, boy, it's a magical place. And so uh, I know we still need to have a place to gather. I, I know we still need a place to work and people absolutely need to come back to campus in some way, shape or form to connect and to be able to do actually to get the satisfaction that they, for the reason why they come to work at CNM. They have a high purpose for their work. They care about students. Um, They feel they make a difference. They feel they affect um, processes in the organization and how they work. That means that they have to come to campus to do that really, to get that fulfillment, fulfillment. So I think we're all looking for that magic balance to see what that is across all of our campuses and across all of our programs and our staff. Um, but I think that can be enriched. I think the capacity capacity we have can be enriched by bringing our external partners onto our campus as well, because they'll find uh, better connections than they had than they've had in the past. So, good point. Yeah. Um, here's a fun question: if if you had any extra budget money, so here you go. Here's a handful of cash. What would yep. you spend it on if you had no strings attached to it? You know what I would. I would speed up the work we're doing around creating a seamless experience for students so that they, I mean, truly within three clicks, they can answer the question of um, here's what I value. You know, here's what I want to learn. Here's what I value time, money, space, location. And then here are my options, credit, non-credit and do that. And that they can do that seamlessly. And that when they answer a couple questions, they can say, well, here's, here's some options. Here's what they cost. Here's the aid that's available. If I could do that, if I could align all of those things so quickly so that a student has no idea what the back end looks like and that there's no time delay, <laughs> that would be exciting. I mean, that would just be phenomenal. Oh, that's um, a great idea. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, and it's not, um, 
I mean, we want them to have the same experience they get if they're looking to, and with that, and if they have a question, they want to talk to somebody, boy, somebody picks up right away, right? There isn't a call. There isn't a dropped call. There isn't a wait time. (laughs) So, I mean, the idea that we could be that full service would be incredibly exciting. And I think that would, that would go a long way to help to tell people and show people CNM cares about you as a student, as a person, we're going to make sure you get everything you need to make good decisions. You know, the decisions you want to make, and we're going to help you, we're going to help you, we're going to give you the tools to get there. And if you have questions, I'm right here to walk you through it. And I'm going to walk you through it for as long as you're with us. And when you come back to us, that would be pretty exciting. So, and I hope that's where we get, but yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty exciting. Here's my last question. Do you have any favorite books on leadership that you would recommend to other academic leaders? Sure. Well, I, um, a couple that are on my nightstand and I have them open and, or I'm listening to them. Uh, one is uh, humor seriously <laughs> by Jennifer uh, Acker and, uh, and her co-author. I find that you have to have a sense of humor and anybody who's been in leadership in any way, shape or form, or just existed the last couple of years really realize, you know, we all realize you need a sense of humor. Um, I'm an arts and letters graduate, uh, all of my degrees have been in the liberal arts uh, and there's a book, um, The Verge, and it's about the Reformation Renaissance and 40 years that shook the world. That's pretty interesting. And the author's last name is Wyman. Um, so for me, that's going back now 30 years <laughs> as my college reunion, save the date postcard has reminded me uh, <laughs> that, that, that that time period actually matters. And there's a reason why it has applicability today. And then there are a couple of books that were really important to me when I was looking at leadership, um, even early on. And uh, w- some are by faculty members that I've had as, uh, again, when I was in college, and they were about uh, women leaders who were not, who are religious sisters uh, of, the, of the college that I attended, St. Mary's College in Notre Dame, Indiana. And so there are a couple of nationally known um, presidents. Uh, Sister Madaleva Wolf was one. Uh, and so her journey and what that looked like at an institution that chose not to merge with Notre Dame, even though they're very close. Right across the, the street, I remember. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was an interesting book. Jill Kirk Conway, uh, who spent, you know, grew up in Australia, but certainly went through Harvard, was first, uh, was president of Smith College. And so just her journey and leadership has been interesting to follow. And so, yeah, some, I mean, and then there are always the practical um, four disciplines of excellence. I mean, there's always something that's going to say, and can I run a better effective, you know, can I run a more effective meeting or, <laughs> you know, can I, can I use data better and to tell a better story? So, yeah, I try to go for the, 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 um, the practical, <laughs> if I can get self-help tips and then, you know, something that's, that's a little resonates a little bit more with me. So. Well, this was a lot of fun, Tracy. I, I really appreciate you being on our show today. Well, I appreciate you asking, and it's it's been a, a great conversation. And um, thank you for thank you for having these conversations. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com for additional information. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.